Hi, my name's Derek Stacy, and this is Ways to Ruin Your Family Dinner. Uh, now on week two, we're actually going to start out talking about the not big, so big surprise of President Trump talking about, well not just talking about, which was a lot of what this week was, but also nominating a uh, Supreme Court justice. Uh, we also will be talking about our main topic, which is the Electoral College. And then obviously we'll be going over polling data. And a slight issue I have with the Biden campaign on some of their um, media they've been putting out there. Now, President Trump has named a Supreme Court nominee, which I don't think anybody's shocked about. Republican leadership and uh, just Republicans in general, from Mitch McConnell all the way to uh, Mitt Romney, said, hey, yeah, it's our duty as the Senate, as elected officials, to hear this nomination, which uh, actually... Uh, Mitch McConnell put out a very interesting tweet this week about how, uh, well, this past week, about um, how they will ensure a peaceful uh, change of power if it comes to it in January. He goes, there's always been a precedent in America of a peaceful exchange of power, and... <laughs> He, which is very odd since he talks about precedent, but then won't follow the one he set. But the very interesting thing about this Supreme Court nominee is the reason I believe Trump went with her is because not only is she a great jurist in the eyes of Republican leadership, and when you are when uh, Republican people will learn more about her in the eyes of Republicans. Uh, she'll also probably have a very quick uh, Senate hearing. She's already been heard by mostly the Senate in 2017 when President Trump nominated for the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, the issue that a lot of Democrats have with her is they've not... She is very uh, open about her religion. And not just about religion, but also how it affects her. In her rulings, which she's a Catholic, which a lot of people are worried about cases like Roe v. Wade and gay marriage, which uh, are the big concerns for a lot of people going into the court, which I don't think they need to be there. Uh, they've already been heard. They'd have to find something new to be able to hear the exact same case, but which is very unlikely that they will. Now, uh. If you look at her qualifications, you almost cannot deny, other than maybe she hasn't been on the Seventh Circuit as long as you'd want somebody coming into the Supreme Court. But that's also something President Trump was like. President Trump was is wanting to name someone young, wants a lasting effect on this court. Um, she's only been on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals since October of 2017, so it's been uh, three years uh, in October that she's been on this court, which, not saying that she's not qualified, but she's not as qualified as possibly other people that have been on uh, the Court of Appeals longer in one of the other circuits, but to be honest, she's a very conservative Republican, which is exactly what 
Republican leadership wants on the court. Someone as a conservative uh, person on this court for a very long time. Because that, because of, as we talked about last week, that politicization of the court. Now, uh, I'm getting this from the White House, uh, like their online website. So, I mean, if I say anything wrong or incorrect, we're just going to have to blame the White House. That's very American of me. Blame the government. Um... She is, uh, she had a private practice. She was a teacher, professor, sorry, I didn't mean to, no disrespect, a professor at Notre Dame. She was appointed by the chief, by Chief Justice Roberts to sit on the advisory committee of the Federal Rules of Appellate Procedure, where she served for six years. Uh, she clerked for the D.C. Circuit uh, Judge Lawrence Silburn. And also for Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia. Um, she, uh, she practiced both trial and appellate, liti- uh, appellate I can't believe I just messed that word up, uh, litigation in Washington. She worked uh, 15 years as a professor. professor. She graduated summa cum laude from Notre Dame Law School. And she, there's no way to say she's not qualified, which is one of the big things that a Supreme Court justice is honestly very hard when nominated to, like, prove that they aren't qualified. Because if he qualified, no, the issue is if he qualified some people that were on that list, that original short list, uh, such as Ted Cruz, um, it would be very easy to uh, say no 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 you're not worthy you can't pick up Thor's hammer but that's that's the reason I found that shortlist very interesting it had like two or three senators on there which is a very which was very odd I think to me but I think this was a very clean pick already been through the Senate procedures so she'll be used to it she'll there will be a bit more limelight and stuff they might not have been looking at because as important as the Court of Appeals are, there's no higher court than the Supreme Court. So as we saw with Brett Kavanaugh, if there's anything that's happened in her past, we're, we will know about it. About it. Uh, so since we're done with that, that's all I really wanted to cover on her. Uh, I'll probably be talking more about her and... Um, some rulings she made, her uh, views on the Constitution more as the process goes on with getting her on the court. Uh, let's talk about the Electoral College, a the most important part of our uh, electoral process that not a lot of people know about. Not a lot of people understand the Electoral College, which I find very odd. The odd thing about it is, is that a lot of people can say, oh, I know what the Electoral College is. Like, they've heard about it and they've been taught about it. I just use air quotes on a podcast. That's really funny. But um, no one really understands what it is because 
it's kind of an annoying process to learn, to know about, to truly understand. So, let's try to break it down on a podcast done by an 18-year-old weirdo. So, the thing about the Electoral College a lot of people need to understand is it's you. It's the way you win the presidency. You The popular vote truly does not matter other than, hey, look, uh, the people love me type thing. So the Electoral College, you have to have 270 of the 538 electoral votes, which is actually something I'm going to get into later because I was looking at an Electoral College map uh, the other day, and I did, I did some, I did an electoral college map that is very likely to happen, that has neither person reaching the two seventy and both being tied at two sixty nine. It's a very high possibility if everything breaks, just enough for the world to go crazy. So before we even get into that map and the way it breaks down and why I want to talk about it, is the way the electoral college works. So, as I said, you have to win 270 of the 538 to uh, win. You have to have a simple majority. It's a simple way to put it. You have to take 270. Now, the way, the reason that we even have this is because um, back in the 1700s, when we were doing the Constitution and we were figuring out how to do the voting process and things of that nature, bigger states wanted to be a popular vote. Just, the person who gets the most votes wins. Just, the gets, and smaller states goes, hey, no, that's unfair. We have, like, seven people. You have, like, seven million. So, we want it to be that each state has a certain number and you have to win that state. Which, back in... 1792 that makes sense that uh, the voting population wasn't very high in the United States Um, but another issue that came up out of this was how are the points going to be assigned like and so it was a population issue which gets us into the three-fifths compromise which is a disgusting piece of legislation that's a stain on America but that's not what we're talking about today. So the population accounted points got dished out to each one, which in theory seems okay until we run into the little issue with the Electoral College. Uh, the easiest one to bring up for most people would be the 2016 election. Um, Hillary Clinton takes the popular vote by 3 million people. And President Trump takes the Electoral College by a large amount. And so, that's when the issue of the, of, that comes up with the Electoral College. The minority technically picked the the winner of the election. Less people picked who won. Which I think is the core issue and what we're going to talk about today. 
This isn't even, this isn't the first time this has happened. A contested, like, election like this. Like, someone takes the Electoral College, and then the popular vote goes to someone else. The reason this is such a big, like, issue is because, guess what? That's the only real thing that's, like, that's written down on how to win the presidency and the Constitution. So, in theory, we can't, you can't really oppose it, like, oh, looks like, looks like someone won the Electoral College, but lost popular, lost popular vote, looks like the popular vote person going, you, that can't happen, the majority is kind of losing their voice in the process, which is kind of anti-democracy, and no, I know there's going to be some people out there, they always say we are not a democracy or a republic, and you are 100% correct. But we have democratic views. Like, elections voiced by the people is a democratic process. Look back at ancient Greece. Like, Athens, they were a democratic uh, state. And so, the thing that we need to really talk about here is that as much as we do believe in uh, minority rights in this country, do we let the minority's voice be heard over the majority? Which, to be fair, we have 300 million people and only 100 million people roughly voted in the last presidential election. Which, of course, there's children and such. But, obviously, there's about let's just say 200 million people that aren't being heard in presidential elections but does the idea of the electoral college actually kind of threaten people's voices being heard and reason i truly for a long time did not want to vote in my home state of kentucky in uh, presidential elections because my voice is very much unlikely to be heard my opinion um with the winner-take-all system by 48 of the 50 states, which means you win the state by a simple majority of popular votes, you take all of the electoral college votes. So let's say that President Trump and Biden in the state of Kentucky, Trump takes it by one, literally one vote. He takes every single electoral college vote in the state. The only two states that don't do this is Maine and Nebraska, which is they divide up um, the person who wins the state gets to take, uh, in Nebraska, two of the five electoral college votes. In uh, Maine, it's one. Or... No, 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 no. Uh, in Maine, it's the it's got four electoral college votes, not th not three. It's got um, uh, two, the winner of the state overall takes two of them. And then in the two, congr uh, the two electoral districts, whoever wins, like, one takes one, whoever wins the other takes one. That's how it... Um, that's how it breaks down in Maine. And so this process, in theory, would be better, but that's not how, as I said, 48 of the states do it. 48 states have a winner-or-take-all system, which really discourages people from coming out and voting. And, like, uh, Republicans in predominant, like, in California, if you're voting in a presidential election, if you're a Republican, you feel kind of useless. 
like, and in uh, New York, same thing with Republicans, but in Alabama and Kentucky, you kind of feel the same way, but as a um, Democrat in a Republican state. So this, honestly, the Electoral College kind of hurts the idea of people coming out and voting because you feel useless. Just, just imagine those three million people in 2016. So the inherent issue that we need to talk about is do we keep this system that not just once, twice, three, four times has infringed on the uh, majority of the population? I believe no. My personal opinion is uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the electoral college. I do believe we should get rid of it. But it's also just my my opinion. Now the big. Now let's look at the other issue. This is gonna. The other issue is one of the most talked about things during an election year. Uh, well, a uh, presidential election year, are these things called swing states. Now, swing states are states that never really swing one-way Democrat or one-way Republican. That, just that statement is the overline issue, is that people, like, people won't address the issues in every state because... They don't need to go to every state to win. You need to go to Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Uh, there was an article. I can't. Oh, I feel so stupid. I can't remember the article that said it was at least in twenty sixteen. It said that four out of five of the average voter goes ignored um, because of swing states. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't hear campaign promises that are directed towards only the um, Hispanic people of Florida and then also hear campaign promises that aren't towards uh, people that need jobs in Kentucky, but people that need jobs in Michigan. Like um, President Trump saying he'd bring the car uh, car manufacturers back to Michigan. Um, we, we hear promises that are not directed towards the whole country. We don't get true campaigns in America anymore. We don't get what's best for the people. We get what's best for the people in the five key swing states. That's the uh, inherent issue with the Electoral College is they're not playing a game for the people. They're playing a game for the points. Now, um, something I didn't talk about is how these electoral how you get chosen for the electoral college uh each state is different uh usually it's a legislative body a legislative body of the state decides how they're going to get picked and then they get picked uh the one the one big rule is you cannot hold federal office and be a member of the uh be one of the people voting in the electoral college which is very good i like that rule now, uh, yeah, let's let's just go ahead and break down my the most exciting part, uh, 
is the electoral college map that could lead to a 269-269 vote. So obviously, as I said, there's the uh, like the safe states of the South. Uh, if Trump takes Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, big swing states, and Vice President Biden takes Minnesota, Wisconsin, and uh, Wisconsin and takes the majority of Maine but uh, Trump will get one electoral vote from that uh, Trump will take all of Nebraska I believe um, we see uh, North Carolina which uh, is actually very close we'll go over that at the uh, end when I talk about uh, the polls for this past week and my problem with the uh, Biden, came, uh, Biden campaign, some of its recent uh, media ads. Uh, but this electoral college map, I think inherently shows the issue is it takes, it can, there are multiple ways for it to be taken out of the voice of the people. Because the moment it's a 269-269 tie, it goes to the House of Representatives, which... Then the House of Representatives gets to choose who the president will be, which, I mean, obviously for Democrats right now, if it's a 269-269 tie, they're going to be happy because they're going to get a Biden-Harris presidency. But let's say the Republicans take back the um, House in 20, in, 20, uh, in, uh, in 2020, in January, then they get to decide who the president is which the issue with that is people can be swayed like uh we we take the voice away from the people which is something america has claimed not to want to do but has done a few times taken the voice away from certain people but now we're not just taking away from certain people, we're taking away from everybody that votes that's over the age of eight, everyone that's over the age of 18 and votes. My, um, so should we have this system that inherently does not ensure what the majority of a country wants? Should we, should we put a system where the minority gets to make the decisions for the majority, where they put in a president that's not going to do things right for the majority of the people. That's, I don't care if you like President Trump. I don't care if you dislike President Trump. He's been a poster child for the. He's been a poster child for the Republican Party and what the Republican Party wants and what's against the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, he's also speaking very much about how he does not like Democrats. Uh, the quote recently about uh, the coronavirus, the um, if you take away the blue states, the numbers look pretty good. That really shows that his disliking for the president, uh, for the um, uh, Democratic Party. So should we put in that system? That's uh, that's another. I'm not. A, I, I understand political parties that really it they do feel the debate, but they also do bring a huge divide we'll talk about that at a later date and so should we have this inherent system that does not allow for a majority rule for the rights and the beliefs of the majority of the country to be heard 
And it might not happen all the time, but it if it happens more than once, that's the moment it becomes an issue. If it happens once, it's an issue. So should we just keep avoiding this issue and not educating this people on this issue? And truly, we talk about it, but we don't talk about it seriously. I think this should be one of the forefronts. Not Democrats will oppose it the moment that they win the Electoral College and lose the uh, lose the popular vote. Just like in twenty in twenty sixteen, the moment Hillary won the popular vote but lost the Electoral College. Guess what happened? Democrats for a couple months went on how the Electoral College needs to be abolished. It needs to be thrown away. It needs to be. We need to get rid of it. But the moment it benefits them is the moment that they want it. And even if we don't abolish it, I think it does need to have a serious look taken at it. We need to really look at how we want our country to proceed. And uh, this actually brings something up, because I remember a big argument is we shouldn't change the Constitution. We will never... Well, it was a document. It was in the 1700s. Like... We, we shouldn't... Well, first off, it's been changed countless times. Uh, so, so many times. Um, if we don't even count the first 10 amendments, uh, we have 11 through 27. That's, that's a few changes there, isn't it? That is actually, to be exact, 16 changes. 16 ways we have fixed the constitution to make it better so let's have the debate i think let's have that discussion on the electoral college is it what's best for america is it what's right is it inherently anti-democratic uh i want to hear what you have to think let's let's start that discussion Now, let's talk about, I think, the best part of the week, the polls. Um, now, um, the polls are actually kind of getting interesting. Joe uh, Biden has dropped to a seven-point lead, which I remember back uh, just like five days ago or something, uh, he had an eight-point lead for most September. I know it dropped first to a six for a little bit, but it's back up at a seven-point national lead. Now, are we? Ba- are we? I think the one of the issues we have been seeing, like I talked about last week, was that like that discussion of uh, are these people that are pro these uh, demographics that Trump does very very well in. Are they being reached? Um, I know I heard an ad the other day that I this sparked the conversation, I think, between me and my father about this very topic. Um, was uh, this kind of, it was like a, Biden's up in the polls, but are they, have they really been talking to real Americans? And it talks about how you can call in and say who you are voting for. And that type of ad is just, it's, it's very much being like, hey, I'm pro, it's asking for a pro-Trump response, it seems. 
So, that's kind of, I think stuff like that does counteract, because the poll numbers I am telling you are not just, like, CNN poll numbers, it's a combination of all the polls, and it tells you the, uh, like, the, like, if it combines them all, how does it look type thing. But I do know that some of the interesting numbers have actually begun to uh, change. Uh, Biden has a plus one in Florida right now. And this is actually where I'm going to start talking about my issue with the uh, current Biden uh, social media ads they've been running. Uh, They're going by an ABC ad that was done between the 15th and the 20th of September that has uh, Trump up by four. They're not going by the spread. But so that does lead this mis- they uh, they have this ad that goes Trump's up by four in Florida donate money to uh, help us get ad buys in there. So that does bring up that like no, this one poll did. But if you look at this combination like then Trump could say the same thing uh, that's uh, a poll done by uh, the Heart Research um, group uh, not between uh, September 17th and September 19th has Biden up by six. So I think Biden, people aren't going to look this up, obviously, most of the time. No one's going to be like, oh, look it. Biden says he's down by four, but we're going to see. And he actually is not. So that's something that's really interesting. Uh, Biden's up by five in Michigan. I think that's a slight dip from the last from last week. I believe he was at six or seven. He's up one in Ohio, which is actually uh, per- better than he was uh, than last week. Uh, by it was a tie, correct, between President Trump and Vice President Biden. Uh, wait, did I just tell you the wrong state? I told you the wrong state. Biden's up by one in North Carolina, which is breaking the tie. In, in Ohio, he's up by four, which is a big boost from last week. Last week, he was up by two. That's two plus points. Pennsylvania's up by six. Uh, Wisconsin is up by five. Biden's starting to carry a lot more of these swing states, which is very funny. And Trump, with the current spread, and Alaska is only up by one. Now these numbers honestly could very. These numbers are gonna do something that I think is very similar to what happened in the Democratic primaries with a uh, president or uh, with Vice President Biden, is that uh. Bernie Sanders was doing very well, but on CNN and every news organization was talking about how we need to wait until South Carolina to see what's really going to happen. Um, because Biden's going to do very well in South Carolina. It is very well with African-Americans. If people start seeing these numbers, they're going to be very discouraged from going out and voting. President Trump's only up by one in Georgia. Uh, he's got a high lead in uh, Idaho. Uh, Biden's got a strong lead in Illinois. Iowa, it's a tie between President Trump and Vice President Biden, which is, if you look at the um, polls for Iowa, 
uh, President Trump was leading. He took a big dip from five points in uh, early in early to mid June. He took a dip from uh, five points to two. Uh, has rode a one point lead since August, and they are finally tied. Um, Trump's got a plus four in Kansas, a plus twenty in Kentucky, and a plus eighteen from a different poll. Uh, Biden's got fifteen and up fifteen in Maine. Up 32 in Maryland, up 36 in Massachusetts, Biden's up 9 in Minnesota, uh, President Trump's up 8 in Missouri, Vice President Biden's up 6 in Nevada, up 6 in New Hampshire, up 18 in New Jersey, which has been the same, uh, never mind, it was 19 in May, he took a one point dip in the latest polls. Let's let's go look at my favorite state to look at this election, uh, Texas. Where President Trump is a plus four. Which was that? What it was when we talked? No, uh, President Trump's taken a plus t- uh, two point bump in the last week in Texas, which is very good for him because if Texas was in play, then this election could very well be crazy. Um, and that's like the, that's like the main ones, but so, President, this is, this is a very crazy looking election due to that Electoral College map I was obviously talking about where it could be a 269, uh, 269, 269 tie, which is very possible. Uh, did we talk about, did I talk about the Ohio numbers? I believe I did the very beginning which had biden up yes which ohio i think is going to be one of the keys yes it has uh, biden up by four i think ohio is going to be one of the key swing states this um this year because they are inherently a republican state uh their governor is a republican but i think something that's going to be very well it's going to play very well for joe biden in um Ohio actually is that the Trump's honestly mishandling of the coronavirus and the governor of Ohio being very well anti has been very much against Trump. Uh, one of the uh, he had a meeting with Trump and it's he said he tested positive for coronavirus and he got tested like two days later and he was he suddenly it was a false negative, I believe. But that could play very well for President Biden. Uh, it's not quite campaigning, but showing that this key uh, swing state is not a very pro-Trump state. Along with the uh, two-point increase in Pennsylvania, and the fact that Biden has a point lead in North Carolina is... I don't want to... It's not insane, but it really shows that... These states are very much in play, which is quite shocking. But um, that's all for uh, this week. Next week, we'll uh, be talking about the debate. I think it's a very exciting thing to talk about. Um, we're going to have our first guest, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Macy Rice. Um, we'll be watching the debate together, then we'll come on here and we'll be breaking it down for you because uh, I'll try to remain as unbiased. I'm going to I'm going to sit down and watch it as a person that just loves debates. Uh, 
I'll probably have some bias. I think President Trump will come out looking very strong. Uh, and I think Biden won't look horrid, but I think it will make him. It, he needs to play this first debate. He needs to look. He needs to look good. He can't look like a bumbling mess. But he needs to come in looking not as strong as he can, and then he needs to just try to destroy the next two. Do very great. And then, of course, my uh, my favorite one's going to be the Biden-Pence-Vice President debate because Kamala Harris, I truly believe, will wipe the floor with Vice President Pence in a debate. Uh, so since we talked about uh, the election and just democracy in general a lot this episode, I thought I'd leave you with one of my favorite quotes that I've heard about. A democracy. Democracy is the worst form of government, except all the others that we have tried. You guys have a great week, and get educated and get political.